Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number 49 with Latrina Walden on business and education. Hello and welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and Clinician Business Institute. And since 2007, we've been providing education, resources, and support on the business of being a nurse practitioner. You can learn more by visiting our blog at npbusiness.org and our website at cliniciansbusinessinstitute.com. So today I'm interviewing nurse practitioner Latrina Walden of Latrina Walden Education Solutions. Her educational company provides support for the new nurse practitioner as they're seeking credentialing, but also as they're transitioning into practice. And I really love what is on the homepage of her website. And it says, because what we do matters. And I think it's such a great reminder for all of us that the work that we do as nurse practitioners, as clinicians, it matters. And it matters regardless of the area that we're working in. When Latuna and I sat down and talked before she came onto the podcast, I found out that we share a little bit of a background. Now, she came to being a nurse and a nurse practitioner from a background in healthcare administration in an area of healthcare that I've always said is one of the most, if not the most, heavily regulated and certainly the most underrated, an area that doesn't get any respect at all from most of healthcare. And that's where we both entered into nursing from. And so rather than actually give it away, I'll let you tell her story. So let's go ahead and get started and meet Latrina Walden. Latrina, I am so glad that you're joining me today on the NP Business Matters podcast. And for our guests that are are listening, I've said a little bit about you already, but can you give us just a little bit of a background about who you are and what you're doing? You know, that education space that you're in is, is, it has other players in it. And so I also want to hear about what makes you different? 
Fantastic. Thank you for having me. So again, I'm Latrina Walden of Latrina Walden Exam Solutions. And what I do is I am an education company and I primarily help nurse practitioners pass their board exams. Um, and kind of what makes me different, because there are other players out there, you have heard of them before, and they've been there a long time, so much respect to them. Um, but I am the new kid on the block, and I am here to kind of barge onto the scene. It is the way that I present the information. It is fun. It is lighthearted. It is, um, it is very candid, I would like to say, um, and it helps it stick in people's mind because um, I am going to tell you exactly or relatively what that patient would look like when they come into your clinic or to your office. And that if you don't make the corresponding decisions, you could kill them or you could really hurt them. And there's no shame in saying that um, because we need to know those things. But um, so that's exactly what I do. I also have some programs that are marketed towards hospitals and clinics um, in order to help them build morale and address kind of us, the nursing population within the hospital system. Because you and I both know that if we continue to leave, it's just going to be this vicious cycle of uh, new folks entering, old folks leaving, which is not really conducive. Um, for healthcare in general. So right. that's what I do. Yeah. And, you know, right now, in fact, I was just hearing, uh, read something this weekend about how even though we have people applying to schools, we're, we're not putting out enough nurses, let alone nurse practitioners, to meet the demand going forward. And a big part of that is education and both um, for didactic faculty and clinical faculty and clinical sites and all of that stuff. And we know in the last two years, the whole healthcare industry, all of the providers and staff, you know, from probably from the housekeepers up to the top specialists, everybody's mm -hmm. suffering. Absolutely. I think Oh, there's no, I think I, we both know that everything's just been exacerbated. It was already here. Um, it was already present. Uh, many of us were yelling from the rooftops um, with our, our voices as much as we could. And, and now it's as if somebody opened the door and um, kind of like the fire, the, the backlash has come right. and we poured oxygen on it. And now it is a five alarm and no one knows what to do and how to address it. Um, Not only oxygen, but gasoline, jet gas. Absolutely, <laughs> jet absolutely. Any accelerant, pick one, absolutely. Um, so that is basically where we are. But again, these are things that you and I both know that have been here for years, for decades. And um, now it's, it's not even being addressed. It's just people are aware at right. this point in time. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a little, uh, for you know, it's a little nerve wracking to watch it. I feel kind of fall apart and crumble, um, and I am more worried about us, uh, the nurses, the nurse practitioners, all of the healthcare workers that are in the midst of all of this. Because again, at the end of the day, that's your mother and my father 
that we need to take care of that's not being taken care of. And part of that onus is on the organization for not even addressing it um, and acknowledging that there is an issue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the things I've always said too is, you know, we as mostly women, mostly female, um, Mm -hmm. but in our society, we're not, if we take care of ourselves first, it has in the past been considered being selfish. And Mm -hmm. if that's what people want to call it, fine and dandy, but if people are not taking care of themselves, they just don't have the bandwidth. Yeah, it is. It's something, you know, we, I talk a lot about self-care personally um, with my students and even within the test prep, it is weaved in there Um, in the programs. It is weaved in there because again, care giver, um, that compassionate caregiver syndrome, it is, it is a thing and Mm -hmm. it's exhausting because like you said, most of us are women. So we are not only doing this at work, we are usually someone's partner. So we come home and we are doing it at home. Most of us, just because of the demographic, are also parents. Mm-hmm. So we are doing it there. And then if you are stuck in certain generations, you are taking care of your parents. Yep. So there is literally no break. Yeah. And so who takes care of us and how do we do that yeah. um, becomes a very big concern. A very it, big it, concern. It really does. It really does. And now with your educational company, you're, you primarily prepare nurse practitioners for exams, right? Correct. Correct. And nurse practitioners actually is one of the, the fastest growing professions out there. The demand for nurse practitioner far exceeds what the amount of us that are available, the numbers. Okay. And so that's also exciting Um, And it just means we need to be better prepared. Before we dive more into your company, though, your background in business is what I think is really interesting because so many nurse practitioners that I hear from, they tell me they have absolutely no business background. It wasn't talked about in school which is why NPBO was formed, but um, but you came at it a little bit differently, and you came at it from um, I don't I don't know if you actually called it a profession, but a, a job pathway anyway that I don't think it's nearly enough credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it so, is one of the hardest things ever. Absolutely. So just to kind of give uh, your listeners a little bit of my background um, and and probably why I'm a little bit different uh, is because my career began in healthcare, but not as a nurse. Um, So my very first healthcare position job um, was as a nursing home administrator. So I worked for a company in California and went through that AIT program, Administrator and Training Program, and uh, passed, because you have to take boards for that. Um, So went ahead and passed those boards and became an administrator. Um, So I was a nursing home administrator for eight to 10 years, and that is what I did, fresh baby-faced right out of school. Um, And that's that's what I did. Um, I managed two nursing homes, 
So one was a regular facility, 88 bed facility. Um, and then one was a locked facility. So an Alzheimer's unit and it won many, many awards. Um, and it was one of the most, the highlights of my career. Um, it is those places are where I learned the most about healthcare. Um, it was wonderful. They were around the corner from each other. So I would, my office was in one and I would walk back and forth um, every day to the locked unit because it was a 59 bed. It was a smaller unit. Um, but that is where I got my exposure to nursing and healthcare and Medicaid and Medicare and how these things intertwine and how complex they are. Mm -hmm. And, and even in essence, what a PNL is and how to read it and how to manage people and how to talk to teams and how to lead a team. Um, because the facilities that I had, while the locked unit was amazing within itself, it, it, it could run pretty much itself. It just needed a little bit of guidance um, from myself. The 88 bed, when I came on scene, was a troubled unit. Um, people didn't like to send their patients there. Our medical director, you know, had kind of a on and off again relationship. And you and I both know that medical director relationships in a nursing home are everything. Mm -hmm. They are the key to their survival. Um, and just came in and, and revamped and addressed the culture. And we made money hand over fist after about a year and had a very great survey after having a very troublesome survey the year before I got there, we had seven deficiencies. So we were a great facility. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, again, an experience and was on the pathway to becoming a VP, um, but decided to leave and come back to the South, which is where my family is and uh, settle down here instead of being out there by myself. <laughs> California itself, it's a whole different culture. It is. I, I grew up in uh, in San Francisco. But one of the things I, I just want to point out for people that are listening, because nursing homes have, um, you know, it's like the stepchild of healthcare, if you it will. Is. And nobody really gives it any credit and everybody thinks they're horrible places. And yet it is the most regulated and probably the most underfunded um, yeah. aspect of healthcare. And the need is so great. I've always been a champion of yeah. long-term care. And uh, it just has a, geriatrics has a special place. In right, yeah. right. Um, I'm telling you, you have the best stories from those patients. Um, they can be the sweetest and the meanest. <laughs> um, uh, they will make you laugh all day and some of them will bring you to tears. Right. Um, but if you want to learn about healthcare and really how healthcare works and how everything just really feeds into one another, I cannot tell you how much a nursing home is the place to do that. Yeah. And like you said, no one wakes up and says, I want to be a nursing home administrator. That is not what people do. <laughs> you know, no one wakes up and says, I want to go work in a nursing home. It's just not a place because it has that negative connotation. We've all been taught our entire lives of where you don't want to be, mm -hmm. um, whether it's not you're working or you're, you know, the patient. Mm -hmm. But um, being able to sit down in the business office of a nursing home 
with the business office manager and have her show you and tell you how the Medicaid and Medicare payments come in, what day they come in, how they bill, showing you what they need to submit in order to get the billing, knowing that it is a month behind, um, just all of these little intricacies that you would never get in a hospital right. um, is just, it, it was just for me, it was eye-opening. So then taking that and going to work in a hospital or another clinic, I knew how everything worked. I knew how it was all intertwined. There was no question. You couldn't, you couldn't fool me because I already knew. So what, so you went from the nursing home and then what did you do next when you decided to leave that environment? So I decided to leave. Um, I I decided to move across the country. Um, And so it it was a difficult decision. And um, ironically, I still actually talked to some of uh, my employees who were there because I literally grew up with them while I managed them. I grew up with them as well. Um, but I moved across the country and became an administrator of dialysis clinics. So I worked at a well-known company, uh, everyone knows of DaVita mm-hmm. and, um, worked at several clinics in that organization and, um, had an amazing time, had amazing colleagues. So again, some of which I still talk to today, had an amazing VP who became a mentor, um, and I still very much talk to, and I was the only nurse, I mean, non-nurse in the region. So there was a region of about 13, 15 of us, and we would have our regional meetings. Everybody was a nurse except for me. And I, in the nursing home, I used to sit down and read my patients' charts because I wanted to understand what they had been through to get to the nursing home. So I had a love affair with healthcare already. And um, I looked at her one day, we were going to lunch and I said, what do you think about me going to nursing school? And she looked at me, she goes, I think you should do it. And that was it. That's all I needed to hear. Um, and she was so supportive. I, I know people don't like to hear it, but I worked full time until the last semester um, in nursing school as an administrator of these buildings, going to meetings my colleagues were so supportive and would jump in. I remember having survey at my building and it was my colleague and you know how big survey is. Right. And it was my colleague who was doing things until I could get to the building. And it was not a big deal. Um, You know, it was like, I know you're in school. I've got it. Just tell me where everything is, but they were just so supportive. Um, and that last semester I took a leave of absence and finished up everything and passed boards and went right back to work <laughs> once I passed as a nursing home administrator. The only difference was now I could work the floor. So right. I had to learn that aspect of it. So you went from there as a nurse, an RN, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but what led you to becoming a nurse practitioner? Yeah, it. I mean, it. I've had a storied, storied uh, road. So after working at in dialysis for about a year and a half, um, I decided obviously that I was not going to use my skills and learn all the things that I wanted to learn. So what do you do? You go to the biggest hospital in your city, um, and you go to the biggest and baddest ER you can find. So that's where I became a Grady ER nurse. Um, If you know anything about the southeast. 
you know that Grady is the largest hospital in the Southeast and everybody comes from everywhere to come to Grady. Um, and that's what I did. And I wanted to learn and I wanted to learn fast. And I ended up staying in the ER um, and did trauma and all the things, um, trauma certified and stayed there for about six, seven years. And uh, Grady, if you don't know, is a teaching hospital as well. So, I mean, they are amazing. The residents, the attendings, the nurses, it, it is an amazing place to learn. Um, and I would look at the residents because I used to want to go to medical school way back when and was like, nope. I started anticipating what they would order and why they were ordering things. And um, I was like, well, what's the next step here? Because surely this is not it. <laughs> so that is when someone said, you might want to look into being an NP where you can take care of your own patients and you can have that onus over them. And I thought, that's a good idea because I love autonomy as well. Um, so went off to NP school. And um, in the meantime, I had worked at a couple of different departments and became an NP, and here I am. So then I started practicing in private practice um, and doing all of, all of those things that we normally would do when we see patients, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, uh, so often I hear from nurse practitioners, you know, they, they come up through whatever ranks they're going to come up through. I don't think I know, have known anybody who did your pathway, but... <laughs> But they come up through that. And then for so many, that next step after becoming a nurse practitioner, usually a seasoned nurse practitioner, the unseasoned ones, that's a whole different ballgame. But a seasoned NP, the next step then for so many is their own practice. But you didn't go that route. No, I honestly still have no desire (laughs) to have my own practice or to open up my own practice. And maybe that's because of my background. I know what that takes. And I know that is hard work. And it is is a commitment. Um, And it is a commitment to that business. Um, So it is not a desire of mine. I am perfectly okay going in to the clinic and taking care of my patients and having someone else have the ownership of that and walking away. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think that the internet, uh, the interwebs have, you know, they, they have everyone out here thinking entrepreneurship is easy and that we can all become millionaires by owning a business, (laughs) you know, and, but not in a week. Yeah, in a week, in a right. week. So if you're not making six figures and in five weeks, guys, you're doing it wrong. You know, you know they, it's, right. they have that out there and it's just so not how it is. Um, and I don't think a lot of people talk about how it's not. Um, right. Yeah. Not yeah. everybody has to do business. Not everybody has to do their own practice. I think It's great when people take the time to explore all those what ifs, and then they say, you know what, that's not for me. And I think that's great. Right. And I think, you know, and especially us as nurses, we, we, there's that aspect where we don't know any better. Uh, Meaning all we know is to go to NP school and become an NP when there's so much more out there 
why aren't you working for pharmaceuticals? If you are a people person and you can sell things, if you can sell me this pencil, go to pharmaceuticals and make a ton of money and be very happy working for someone else doing something else. Right. Or if you like to write, if that is your love, why aren't you a medical writer? There's a lot of money in medical writing and you can do it for a lot of big companies and a lot of little companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, we, we don't know what else to do. I do, you know, and I try to relay that information to folks. Like you don't, you don't just have to become an, a teacher, a professor, or go off and uh, own your own practice. Like those, there's so much more that you could do besides, you know, what we typically know of. Right, right. But it's really allowing your mind to expand. And yeah. yours did, yours went into education, but yeah. not the traditional education <laughs> of becoming a professor at a prestigious university. It did, it did. I um, So in between all of that um, and moving to Georgia, and becoming a nurse, I began teaching at two years, uh, just around in our metro Atlanta area. And um, I taught in the HIT program, um, you know, which is IT, health IT, and then began teaching in healthcare administration. So what I like to say is the business side Mm -hmm. of healthcare. Um, so I can teach you all of those things and, and, and teaching out a two year moved up to a four year and was there for seven, again, seven, eight years. So I did those things simultaneously worked in a hospital and would go to my university job. And, and, um, there was a point after becoming an NP where I really love teaching And, but I really love talking about business and especially in healthcare, because that's what I know. How do I marry these two things? Um, And that's kind of where LWES, I affectionately call my company, how LWES was formed. Because in becoming an MP, what I noticed in going to take boards and what I've noticed in a lot of students is there, there's a gap. There is a gap between what our universities and our professors lovingly teach us and how we are to apply it on the exam as well as when we go take care of our patients. And so that is what my company is doing, is filling that gap. And so we are teaching you not only the mechanics that you need to know to pass boards, but we are also teaching you how to apply it because it is a lot of on the board exams. It is not... Uh, learn and regurgitate. It is not that. And that's where a lot of students go wrong because they'll be like, I got a 4.0 at my school. And it's like, well, that doesn't matter (laughs) when you go to take boards. It has nothing to do with nothing. Um, So my company kind of comes in and we teach you the material, but we also teach you the application and how you can fill in those gaps. And we've had students go on and have interviews at clinics. And they're like, the reason I got the job is because they started asking me clinical questions and I was shocked, but I knew them because I remember you said them this way. Um, So they were able to answer those questions. So yes, I am teaching and I am marrying those things I love, but it goes far beyond 
me getting you just to pass boards. It is really having you understand how to apply those things. Because as a new MP, one of the first things you're scared of is that you're going to miss something and you won't know what your patient is talking about. And so how to put all of that together. Yeah, yeah. And and there is a difference between being, being able to answer the question and being able to apply it. And yeah. that whole thing about getting a job because you could answer the question, I remember as a brand new grad for my second program, my first NP mm-hmm. is a, a geriatric nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. So as a family nurse practitioner, I was applying for um, a position and they started asking me what I would do with this infant XYZ, and all I, I, I will say right up front, infants, mm-hmm. maternal child has never, ever, ever been my thing. Yeah. And it was pretty much right there. I thought if that's the first question they're asking me, this is not a place I want to work. <laughs> this you know, is it's the one place thing. I want to work. This is the one thing that MPs and, and RNs really hate. We hate being put on the spot. You know, <laughs> you know, we're used to it. Right. And we can answer the questions, but we really don't like it. <laughs> you well, know? Not, and, in, not in maternal child. If they had right. about cardiology or trauma <laughs> or, you know, tell me about right. a swan line, I right. would have been totally fine. But maternal right. child has never been an area I've worked in or... Right. Um, I, I think leave that to the those that specialize in those that areas. Specialize in it. Let Absolutely. me talk about the sick adult. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's where I was. So 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 you all know I did not do well in that interview. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, understanding the application. Certainly that was covered in school. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. But you're trying to, and the way that our MP programs are set up, and it's not a dig, it's just is what it is, is you're trying to learn so much information so fast mm-hmm. that naturally things are missed. Nat- naturally, you know, yeah. things are missed. And depending on the program, I mean, you might be teaching yourself. And again, not a dig to any program. It just is what it is because we have those online programs and a lot of them don't have a lecture to go along with it. And so that's where I kind of come in. So for those programs who maybe don't have a lecture to go along with it, then I am able to jump in and uh, you can use my materials to kind of study along and help you pass your exam, not only your board exams, but your exams for school. So it might be applicable to students as well as to the the new grad who's studying for board. Yeah, I've absolutely had a lot of, I grabbed your stuff the last semester because I had a comprehensive exam and I couldn't remember what we went through, you know, two semesters ago, but your course was a good kind of review and filler and it helped me pass my comps. Mm -hmm. So I've had a lot of that as well. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. You know, let's let's go back to business a little bit because again, you said you you also talk with your students about the business aspect of this. Of of I do. So um, where I do that is in MP Collective. So MP Collective is the first private MP group 
um, that has ever been formed. And that is something that I did. It is a private uh, group that is solely run by my company. And there are a lot of resources and classes and experts that come in and we discuss a lot of things. And so in that group, we talk about not only what you're seeing every day in your clinic, you know, and how to take care of your patients and the new guidelines that have dropped, but we also talk about the business side of it. And it's more so me sharing because again, I understand that the turnover rate of a new MP is not very, is very short, meaning the likelihood that someone's going to stay in the profession for 15 years, like they used to is not there. Um, It is about three to four years before the MP is starting to think I'm getting out of here and, and making an exit. It is usually that first year where they are wondering and questioning themselves as to why they even got uh, into becoming an NP and takes a lot of encouragement from other MPs and other folks saying, it's not you, it might be your environment, try something else. Um, so with that being said, I share a lot of the business because of my business, because I know that people want to open a business mm-hmm. at the end of the day, business is business is business. I am going to use those same principles that I use in my company. And you are going to, if you're opening up your own practice, you should be using those same principles. Exactly. Um, and so we should be able to have a conversation and talk business and you are using and relating those things to how you run your business the same as I would be doing mine. Right. And so I need people to understand as I share these things that it is not easy. Um, and, and some of the wins do come easy and it's great and it's so fulfilling and it's wonderful. And those are the times that you hold on to and that keeps you going. But a lot of those times, they're not so fun. <laughs> you know, there are times where you want to sit at your desk and just put your head down and, and have a whole lot of tears. And I have, um, or you are just exhausted because you are tired um, from doing all of the things and trying to run a business. Yeah. This year was, um, I, I like to call it for, for LWS, it was a lot of slow, quiet growth. For me, I didn't launch a lot of things. Um, I didn't, I wasn't out there in the interwebs, uh, you know, like, like many people are. So 2021 was very quiet for me. I did a lot of infrastructure building, which you and I both know that means I paid a lot of money to put systems and processes in place because it's not a little business. This is this is my legacy, but it is also something that I see that can be very big. Um, so I'm building an organization. It is not some little play company. I have 10 full-time employees who rely on me. So I'm paying good salaries to people um, and they are supporting their families. So it was a lot of putting systems in place, doing a lot of professional building with my team, having those difficult conversations that people don't like to have and like to avoid that you have to have if you are building an organization. You cannot escape those things. Right. Um, But also thinking about my employees, what do my employees need? Well, my employees need benefits. So we implemented benefits. 
And so that is more money out of my pocket, but also making sure that I am meeting my revenue and my target goals. So, I mean, there is a lot that goes into building and running a company, especially when you have employees that I think a lot of people don't talk about and don't think about. They they don't think about it. And also, you know, one of the, and I love that you say that, you know, with all that infrastructure, the money that was spent. And, and I'm highlighting that because so often I hear from people who either want to start a business or are in the process, or maybe they're even open. And, oh, no, I need something free, 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 free. <laughs> yeah, and no. free has a very steep price to it. You know, you can't do it for free. I know myself, I, you know, this last year for me and the beginning of this year, I invested quite heavily in a new business coach Mm -hmm. in order to grow this company. And it costs money. It costs money. And and a good one will cost a good money, a lot of money. And I don't think people understand that. And like you, I have a business coach. I have, I make no, I am not ashamed about it. Um, I am good at what I do, but I need someone who is where I want to be. So my business coach is not getting rich off of me. My business coach already has her money from different things that she's doing. She is not in healthcare. You know, she, she, cause again, Business is business is business. Those same principles apply. So she is not in healthcare. She has her own money doing her own thing. She just gets the fulfillment from doing it with small entrepreneurs. So, and again, I pay a lot of money uh, to have access to her and be able to call her and have her come and and look at the intricacies of my business and say, "Uh uh-uh, if you keep doing that, it's going to go down the wrong path. Yeah, um, having having those outside eyes. Yeah, because when we're in it and we're in the middle of it, you really it, it, you become a little bit blind to all the different things that are going on. We also take so much ownership sometimes that you know when somebody tells us, "No, this isn't working," we're like, "But, but it's but, my baby." <laughs> but I've learned that I need someone to be accountable to. Yes. So I am that person where I need someone who is going to call me on my mess, um, ask me why I'm moving slow um, or why I'm hesitant about something. Um, But also I need to be able to report back to someone. And I needed someone not only who has been where I want to be, but I needed someone who just was not new to this. So I get very concerned when I see folks who are new to entrepreneurship and then all of a sudden within a year um, or six months, they're like, come talk to me and I can help you build your business. Yeah. What have you been through and what do you know in order to help someone build their business? I have had people ask me to jump in and do some kind of coaching situation and I'm like, mm mm. Uh, one, that's not where I want to spend my time right now, but two, not yet, because there are things that I am going through in my business and I need to see them out to fruition, good and bad. 
I am having struggles and I need to go through those struggles so that I have the ability to tell you how to go through those struggles. I need to be in these certain rooms so that I can also pull you into these certain rooms. I don't feel that I am there yet, even though I've had tremendous success. I want to be able to take people and sit them in front of Barbara and say, you need to talk to this person because they're amazing at what they do. We're not there yet. We're very close but we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think what you said about people who have done it for a year and all of a sudden they're the experts and um, you know, not to, to bash anyone at all, not at but all. just within the last month I've had um, now three different nurse practitioners who have come and they said they have, purchase products or services from another nurse practitioner and they have felt um, shafted. One person used the term fraud. Um, Another person is, is just even fearful to say that person's name Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because she feels, I suppose that she would be bullied. Um, So, I I mean, it's, I'm always telling people do their due diligence, but you've got to look beyond the glitz and the glam and you have to ask those strong questions. I encourage people to ask me questions. Absolutely. No, don't, don't take anything I say at my word. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And and apply it to your situation because Mm -hmm. that is not to say that that great um, mentor that I have, that I don't disagree with her. Um, You know, there are things that fit into my world because I'm in healthcare and education and there we are very particular in how we like things. So there are some things that she says and I have to tweak it tremendously in order for it to fit for my population. Um, And you have to be okay saying that or just doing that. The base of what she says is always gold. It Mm -hmm. is. And some of it I can just implement immediately because it's just, it's like, yes, give it to me, (laughs) you know, but then there's other pieces of it because I am a nurse and I know how we think that I have to tweak and I have to do a little bit more work to before I can implement it for my audience. But just um, again, like you said, it's not a dig on anyone who does that, but for those who are looking for those coaches and those mentors, be mindful. I think the first biggest thing for me is, and I don't, I'm not one of those people who follow a lot of mentors and people. I I don't. Um, But the one thing I can tell you is look at their business structure. How long have they been in business? Don't be afraid to ask them what their revenue is, because at the end of the day, you are going to be paying them a significant sum of money for you, whatever that might be. And you need to make sure that they are not getting rich off of you. If they're going to coach you through something, they should have already had their their money. And I'm very adamant about that because how can you teach me to get somewhere else and you have not been there before? Right. 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 So those are the questions. And, And that leads back into business. You have to get used to having those hard, fast conversations. That's what my mentor used to tell me that that's what we call them. Those conversations where you get uncomfortable and you say, but you have to say what you need to say in order to get your point across. And you do it professionally. You do it with a smile on your face. You are still very kind about it. 
However, it just is, I know I say that a lot, but it just is what it is. It's one of those things that you just need to say. Um, and when I'm talking to my employees and having those hard, fast conversations, those conversations are 10 minutes when I say the meat of my, what I need to get out, you know, right. they are hard and they are fast. And then I allow them to respond. Right. So right. don't be afraid to have those conversations with people you are paying. <laughs> well, and, and not, not only that, but when we, um, you know, and I used to hear this and I used to think, well, how does that work? But having been there many times now, I understand you get to those uncomfortable places, those places that you have to stretch. And that's where you start to learn and you start to grow. And yeah. it's um, it's important to get there. If, if everything is going smoothly all yes. the time and it's easy and every day you're hitting that easy yes. button you're not going anywhere but down eventually. So you've got to stretch and you've got to grow. Yep. And like I said, 2021 for me personally in L West, it, 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 and again, sometimes that growth and that stretch is not always defined in the business. Sometimes it is you having to do a self check. Sometimes it is you having to address your relationships as you grow. Um, that is one thing that I've had to do in 2021. So while my business has done this quiet, hard growth, and we've done all this infrastructure on the flip side of that, I had to look at my relationships with my partner and say, if we want this to go to, you know, eight figures, that means I'm going to have to move differently. We are going to have to move differently. Again, like you said, those are things that are not comfortable. Mm-mm. it's not inherently especially as nurses it's not what we're taught we love to go and clock in and clock out <laughs> you know what we I mean? want to clock in and clock out we want consensus on everything <laughs> exactly. and as a business owner you're the one making the hard choices whether yeah. you're in a business such as yourself whether you're in a clinic and you are faced with That's an employee good. situation it doesn't matter you have to make those decisions and um you know the other thing with that is sometimes um, no is your best friend. No is your no best is a complete friend. sentence. Yeah, it is. It, it is. No is a, I think, and it, I think, uh, you, you don't, I like to tell people you don't owe anyone an explanation. No, you don't. including your mother is usually what I tell people. <laughs> you don't owe anyone, including your mother an explanation. So do you want to go to the store? No. <laughs> Well, you know what? We'll leave <laughs> being defiant with your mother later <laughs> for another conversation. Yeah. Oh, dear mom. So um, <laughs> I have loved this conversation. So tell us a little bit more about where people can find you and what kinds of um, things they can expect. It's going to be an exciting 2022 um, for us and for LWS. Uh, it, it's just, we've got a lot of things in store. So if you want to find us, you can find us at latrinawaldenexamsolutions.com. Um, I always tell people, scroll down to the bottom, uh, use the contact us. We absolutely love to support our MPs and, and our uh, in, RN students. Uh, we love to support you. So if that conversation that you need to have in the email is I am feeling stressed out and I don't know what to do, tell us, and we will give you some pointers. We 
we have those types of conversations. We are not just here for the bottom line. We truly do want to support you through your journey. Um, and we've, we love those parts of it. Um, but you can find us there uh, and, and communicate with us any way you would like. You can also find us on all of our social media channels. So we're on IG, Latrina underscore Walden underscore NP. We're on uh, our biggest Facebook. We are the biggest Facebook group, uh, one of them. Uh, so you find all those links at the bottom of the website. But it's just going to be an exciting thing this year. We are, you will see us more. We are reaching out and talking to a lot more people. We plan to be in, I don't want to give it all away, but we plan to be in some exciting rooms. Um, so you will, we are not going away. We are here to stay. Um, so you will absolutely be hearing from us. But one of the biggest things that is happening, and uh, we can tell you this, is that we're launching our AGP line that is coming out within the next uh, month, month and a half. So that's exciting. And we'll be opening up the next cohort of the MP Collective next week. So that's All right. also exciting. Excellent. All yeah. right. So I'm going to have the, the links to everything um, in the podcast and below this video so that people can find Fantastic. it and we'll share that. So thank you so much for sharing with us today on the NP Business Matters podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Latrina for sharing her experience and her wisdom with us. And I encourage you to visit her website at latrinawaldenexamsolutions.com. Now I'll put the link to her website in our show notes and you'll find that at npbusiness.org forward slash Walden. You know, so many clinicians that I interact with, nurse practitioners, PAs, even physicians, they have questions about business, getting started, growing, billing, and just so much more. And you'll find a lot of resources over on our blog. I'm inviting you to get curious and spend some time poking around, looking at the articles, the podcasts, the videos, and the other resources that you'll find available for free on the blog, and that's npbusiness.org. And finally, finally, thank you so much for you taking the time out to listen to the podcast, for the ratings that we're receiving, for sharing this podcast with all of your colleagues. It really helps us grow. And nurse practitioners need to understand the business of being a nurse practitioner. I'm Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now.